Hello and welcome to the Tightwad Teacher Podcast, brought to you by Element Opie Productions, elementopie.com. And now, here are your hosts, John Mikulski and Brian Bruger. Hello, everybody. Happy Valentine's Day from the Tightwad Teachers. This is episode 32, One to One Computing, and it is February 14th, 2012. Um, we're going to start the love fest in just a second here with some good nature ribbing. But first, let me tell you who you have this week. Uh, I am John Mikulski, your host, and joining me as always is Brian Bruger. Brian, say hi. Howdy, folks. And a return, I guess a guest now, a guest co-host. Uh, Sean Keibel is with us once again, uh, loyal listener, because I think there's like two of them. Loyal <laughs> listener will remember Sean um, from the first maybe what, 20 or so episodes. Uh, Sean, you're back for more. That's right. That's right. It's good to be back, too. It's uh, great to be talking to you guys again. Yeah, and my understanding, and Brian can fill us in on this a little bit, my understanding is that you were having a hard time connecting with us. Is that right? Uh, <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead. We could jump straight to that. Uh, yeah, so uh, I'll start off by, by saying uh, John and Brian, because I'm running the control board for this show. Uh, Mark usually does that, but uh, I'm, I've got all the uh, studio up and going. And uh, uh, I, boy, I don't know how to say this. Uh, my district is uh they're very high on on the apple products and we have plenty of macs and ipads and ipods and you name it and uh they probably about three weeks ago gave me a macbook pro uh, because i had limited experience on them and i uh, said you know take this and keep it for a while and uh you know so i could get some experience on it so uh i was setting up to do the show and i thought you know why not break the Mac out? Because uh, I'm actually running three laptops to do all of this. So uh, I broke the Mac out and realized very quickly that I didn't have Skype on it. And that's what we use to dial people into the control board. So I installed Skype, logged into my personal account, and realized that uh, uh, I didn't have you guys as contacts in my personal account. I had you on the uh, the Element OP account. So I'm like, okay, well, easy enough. I'll log out and log back into Element OP. Couldn't figure out how to do it. And I literally had to dial Brian up through Skype on my phone yep. and ask and, and pray that he knew how to do it. <laughs> There's so many things to say, and I just, I, which one do you pick? <laughs> well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm wide open for the ribbing, let me just say. But when, when Brian said that you needed help with your Mac, I thought, what a weird nickname to, to name his PC. Is it like Malcolm? <laughs> <laughs> no, I hope, I hope this goes to, uh, you know, it serves the purpose of, uh, you know, I'm not necessarily a, uh, a Mac hater or an iPad hater or anything like that. Cause I'm certainly not. Uh, I actually think the devices are pretty cool. Um, uh, it's taken some getting used to though. I will say that. Uh, sure. But, um, yeah. I, I think the commercial, the, the, the tagline you're, you're thinking of is from a Heinz commercial and it's good things come to those who win. <laughs> yeah. Sean, you're a total uh, fanboy now. You have to admit it. Uh, <laughs> no, I won't say that. I'm going to tell you one thing. The trackpad on the MacBook. I, it blows everything else away. I mean, there is not another laptop out there, in my experience, that comes close. 
it does all the gestures and things too. Is that what you're talking about? Well, yeah, and it's you know the two finger clicking and the uh, you know you kind of sort of scroll in a circle to uh, scroll you know like if you're on a web page or something. So uh, I do, of course, I'm surrounded by Mac enthusiasts at my new district, and so they're teaching me all those little tricks. And um, it, that's really that's to me is the big one is just the trackpad. Um, aside from that, it's a computer. I mean. I don't know what else to say. I guess you probably have to, and I think this is what a lot of people do, is they really dive into the the entire um, kind of uh, Apple ecosystem. And I could probably see where that is going to benefit you more. So if you get in and you have an iTunes account and, and you've got an iPhone and uh, an iPod and a MacBook and you're you know syncing all of these d- devices together and all of that, then um, I, I can see where people get tied in. Yeah, we had a, a guest a couple weeks back. Um, cool cat teacher was on. Uh, and why am I forgetting? Vicky, Vicky Davis. Vicky Davis. Yeah. Yep. And, and she does all Apple stuff. And she had me totally sold on the iCloud, uh, th- that whole, you know, framework of the iCloud and connecting everything because at, up until that point, I th- saw it just as kind of a novelty. And she explained how she can use it in her classroom. The kids can go out with their iPod touches, take video, and it automatically syncs to the iCloud and then it downloads into uh, the classroom, and she also has a sync to her own iPhone, so she can be seeing what the kids are doing. They can be wandering the campus, taking videos for a project or whatever, and then she could be basically monitoring it. So, yeah, like if you have all that stuff available to you, totally, totally cool. Yeah, and that's uh, that's something that you know Apple does a really good job of is uh, they kind of pull you in, and uh, once you're in there, it's kind of like you know you've got this nice fuzzy warm blanket uh, wrapped around you. Um, and uh, and there's not anything wrong with that, and I certainly see why uh, the typical end user loves their products because uh, it, a lot of that is so much easier. There's a lot less, uh, I guess, thinking that you have to do. It just the kind of the stuff just integrates together. Um, yeah. And then that's why you get a lot of tech, a lot of technical people, not all, because I know programmers that love their Macs, but a lot of technical people, uh, find problems where you're kind of, well, I can't do it this or I have to do it this way. Um, so, uh, you, you get the other side of the fence that, uh, wants a little bit more freedom, I guess. See, my experience was I've always been a Windows guy and did Windows networks and, you know, taught with Windows and everything was Windows until one spring break and I decided that I was going to start a web design company and I had heard that Macs were pretty good for design, so I bought a Mac. And just like that, I went from one day of being a Windows guy to totally doing everything Mac at home because I simply felt like, you know, if I'm going to give it a shot, you kind of have to jump in with both feet. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, my wife is somebody who just does not like change. So when I, you know, she sits down at the computer and she's like, where's the start button type of a thing. And I'm like, oh, we don't have one of those anymore. Just, just, just use it. You know, you'll be fine. Right. And to this day, you know, I've, I've gone back and asked, you know, Hey, would you, you know, money, no object. If I could buy you any computer, would you buy a Mac or a PC? And now her response is, why would I buy a PC? Mm-hmm. And that to me has shown that she's finding it more simplified. You know, once you kind of get over the initial, this is different. Right. And, well, and the tremendous cost difference too. 
Yeah, and and even I mean I'm a great example just tonight. So I'd never used Skype on on a Mac, and it installed perfectly well, just like I would expect it to. Um, but you know things are in different places, and I did like anybody else would do, and just like kids in the classroom would do. You know I'm I just start poking around, and uh, you know I was on the phone with Brian, and you know, and then I just I found it. So. Um, you know, it's just, uh, yeah, it's a different platform. And when you migrate over to it, you know, you're, there's going to be a learning curve, but that's going to be the same regardless of what you do. You know, if you go over to Linux, you're going to, uh, go through that as well. And that's, uh, absolutely, you know, that's where people will sometimes struggle with Linux because things are done slightly different there. So, uh, but yeah, you're right, Brian. I mean, especially if you're doing any kind of programming or web design work, stuff like that. Uh, the funny thing is, is a lot of the tools are essentially the same. Sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I like to do, uh, dabble in programming and I'm using, I use a tool called Eclipse and you can use Eclipse on a PC or on a Mac and, um, you know, that's your primary work environment. So, uh, yeah, I, you know, I, to me, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't think I'll ever catch the Apple bug because, uh, I can kind of bounce back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. I'm still struggling a little bit on the Mac. But uh, I have more of a utilitarian point of view, I guess, when it comes to uh, to these devices. I, I believe that everything can be done just as easily on either one or right. you know, anything you do on one, you can do on another. But I'm also a power user. And the biggest thing I've found is whether you're teaching you know, somebody like our parents or whether you're teaching other teachers, the logic on the Mac side seems to be a lot more simplified. Right. Um, whereas on the Windows side, I feel very comfortable because I've also, you know, unknowingly just kind of memorized every menu that's available on a Windows machine, it seems like. And so, you know, the directions are like, of course, you just go to file and this and then this and then this. Whereas on the Mac, it seems like it's just a little bit more natural or intuitive. Yeah. And that's, that's, a, that speaks to one of Apple's strengths. I mean, design and the user interface yes. is where they beat everybody else. And, uh, you know, it makes sense that, uh, you know, people are going to enjoy that. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, I'm enjoying it more than I thought I would. I'll, I'll admit that. <laughs> that's just so even, fun to hear even though i know you guys love it yeah that is the, that is the perfect sound clip someone's gonna take that and splice that and that's gonna end up being like your ringtone that's gonna oh, be yeah. everything well i all, actually all, like mac all of my uh my my former co-workers out uh at my uh, previous district um every time i speak to them now they rib me they call me the the mac fanboy and everything else so, <laughs> you you have one of those little white apple stickers on the back of your car don't you no no i don't but i have a i have a uh a, a drawer in my desk full of them because <laughs> you know all of these devices that we get into the district they come with i think uh two or four two of those stickers two uh yeah two of them <laughs> yeah you know uh so yeah i have a drawer full of those things so see I do want to, I do, I don't want to argue it because I don't think it's, you know, very good airplay, if you will, the cost thing. Yes, I would agree that you can get Windows boxes for cheaper. Mm -hmm. But as a general rule, these are Windows boxes that I would never recommend to my friends. Right. And, and so what I have found is if you're, you know, 
a while back at our church, our pastor was going to get a new machine. And so he said that he wanted a Mac and we looked and priced out the Mac. And then we went out and, you know, went to Dell and HP and things like that and priced out a Windows machine that was the same thing and then calculated the cost of software and stuff like that to get these both. So uh, they were, you know, comparing evenly. I almost said apples to apples there. <laughs> <laughs> so in in doing so, the price was within $100 of each other when you actually compared all the light components. Now, you but know, that that wasn't he yesterday. Need, but did he need all the stuff that that came with? Right. Yes. And that, that's part of the argument sometimes is whether or not you need – because usually what people will work into that calculation is all of the preloaded software that a Mac comes with, which is very true. And that's, you know, several hundred dollars worth of, uh, you know, similar software. Um, and, and then that's, that's a question that each individual district has to really answer for themselves because to me, that's the big swaying point, uh, when it comes to comparing cost, you know, and these machines are going to be used very differently if they're deployed in a high school versus, uh, you know, to third graders. Uh, so yes, sure. that's, that's certainly something you have to look at in the calculation. Um, some things that I've seen typically debated and they are regularly and hotly debated here in Texas is, uh, durability. And, mm-hmm. uh, now it's, it's only been a short time. It's hasn't even been six months now, but I've had quite a bit of experience seeing these, uh, you know, we have, Oh, probably about a two to one ratio. We've got mo- more PCs even on the laptops than we do the Apple products. But, um, I would say relatively, you know, I spend about the same amount of time supporting the devices, uh, either or, uh, they, they always are going to have their issues, you know, um, uh, MacBooks, uh, on our network have an issue with, uh, what's called binding. Uh, so, uh, sometimes users can't log on and we've got to go and fix that. But, you know, I don't, I don't knock them for that. It's just one of those funny things. And you see the same types of things with PCs. So, um, as far as, uh, technical support, um, I'm seeing about, you know, pretty much relatively the same activity on, on both machines. Um, as far as physical stuff, uh, the Macs, uh, again, we have about the same amount of physical problems with them as we do our PCs. Um, but I will say Apple's support is awesome. Yes. So, uh, it, it's kind of funny. It's a little weird. We actually, like, if I have a MacBook that goes down, has a, maybe the hard drive died on it or something else. Um, it's a little weird, uh, cause I have to actually take that to the Apple store. Mm-hmm. So we do have an option to ship it to them, but you know, that's going to take quite a long time. Um, uh, but, uh, uh, I can just run down to the local Apple store. They look at it and, uh, we have a four year warranty on these things. And basically if they can't get it running right there as I'm standing there, they give me a new one. Right. So sure. that, that's pretty awesome. Um, I really cannot knock that at all. Now, on the other side, our PCs are all Dells, and uh, Dell's pretty good uh, when we have a problem. If I have a hard drive and I need a new one, they'll overnight me one. So it's not too bad, but uh, you can't beat that Apple support. See, and I'm coming from a, a different perspective because you both uh, are more at the, the wide-scale rollout level, and I'm more at the end-user level. And that's why a lot of these things I never even think of, but 
for me, like I'm thinking personal computers right now, the desktop machine I'm on is my personal one at home. I bought sure. the the cheapest machine I could possibly find. <laughs> it was like 250 bucks. It's even embarrassing for me to say out loud. <laughs> it's a, it, this will, this will actually overshadow your, your Mac, uh, your, your new Mac addiction, Sean. <laughs> um, I'm currently on a compact Presario, but you know what? It, oh, wow. I know, but it, it works. And you yeah. know, the thing is like, I thought about what I need and this is the family computer. It's for browsing and email and that kind of stuff. So uh, other than the occasional podcast and, you know, maybe some real, real light video editing, I, I don't use it for anything else. I'm not a big hardcore gamer. I don't do anything that's really, um, resource heavy. So for me to even this, it's overkill. You know, it has like two gigs of RAM and like a 500 gig hard drive. I'm never going to fill that up with, you know, how many emails 500 gigs is, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. so for me, it's almost like overkill. But, you know, I think that's kind of like my, my argument against like me buying a personal MacBook. Now, if I was in a case like you, Sean, where my district said, here, try this out. Oh man, I'd, I'd have every one of those stickers all over my car. But, <laughs> you know, so I, but yeah, I mean, I think you have to kind of look at that whole picture and this actually will lead nicely into our conversation today about one to one, but you have to look at that whole picture, not just of what the device is, but all those other tiers of, of support that it comes with and problems it comes with and, and everything else that, that goes along with it. Yeah, absolutely. I was, I was going to say, as we lead into, you know, the topic of the day, I want to leave a little teaser, if you will, here of I've noticed a difference in terms of the pedagogy in our classrooms between the devices um, and what our teachers and how our teachers use the devices has changed drastically. So I'll just leave that little teaser. We'll talk about that as we get forward. Um Beyond just our intros. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, know. I know. We haven't even cleared the warm up yet. No, I know. <laughs> I feel bad. I feel bad wasting more time, but I just have one quick story that I wanted to share before we get into the topic at hand today. Okay. Um, I, I'm just so excited this worked because it's something that I think we do behind the scenes here with the podcast that I, I never realized how, how much fun it could be. Um, I introduced live streaming to my school district this week, and it's something that we've never done before, and people, frankly, didn't even know what I was talking about um, when I suggested it, but it really went off without a hitch, and I kind of want to give that as a plug, and I'll, I'll talk a little bit more about it at the end uh, for my, my tip of the week. But uh, earlier this week, I, I talked to the chorus teacher, him and I are friends, and they have a big concert they do and it, it promotes the school it's grade 6 through 12 um, they call it the choral spectrum concert and the basic idea is to show how the kids progress through each level and um, so it's good PR for the for the program and especially right now just the climate that we're in as far as budget goes everything is on the chopping block especially stuff that is not mandated like music so I was talking to him and I said you know it'd be great if we can kind of push this concert a little bit more and I said well why don't we get a couple webcams and I'll set everything up and we'll We'll stream it live for people who can't be in attendance or relatives out of town or whatever. Mm -hmm. So, um, without getting into all the specifics, it worked and it was totally awesome. Uh, I had two cameras, two webcams set up and actually I just used the same microphone I'm recording today. I had that set up and it, it caught the room really nice. And, um, we had anywhere between 40 and 70 people, um, at one time listening in and watching from all over the place. And afterward, I had parents coming up to me and saying, you know, Grandma in Kansas was listening and aunt in California was listening and it, it really did make a, a good impact. And then very, the very next day this morning, I got an email from the high school director saying, well, our concert's the 29th. <laughs> Let's get that set up too. So I think I have myself in a, a whole new position I accidentally created for myself at my district. But, uh, 
uh, totally cool. I mean, it really did open up uh, the concert to everybody and was really well received in the district. That is awesome. Yeah. Very awesome. So, besides from like doing what we're doing now, have either of you tried to do this? I know like uh, Brian and I have have skyped back and forth, but that's really like a more closed uh, connection. Has anyone tried to just broadcast everything? Uh, I did. Um, oh, let's see. Uh, football game. Okay. Uh, so I, I guess that was, I, I tried to get that stuff. I, I think I'm like you, John, and this was at my old district, but, uh, I was really trying to bring the technology to the country, right? And, right. uh, so that's what I, I wanted to do is, uh, you know, like set up broadcasting. And I, I really was kind of hoping that it would catch on and maybe we'd be broadcasting all the sporting events. So people who couldn't make it, maybe mom or dad's got to work late and can't make it to the game, something like that. Um, so I played around with some stuff like that. Uh, and, uh, never really took off the way I, I had hoped though. And even I had set up like social streaming of that. So, you know, uh, social streaming, like, uh, live updates of, uh, it all went back to the football cause football's king in, in Texas. So, right. um, uh, so I would always start these tests and do it with the, the football season. And, uh, I figured if it caught on there, then maybe it would catch on with some of the other sports, but none of that <laughs> stuff ever caught on. And I think it was just the environment that I was in out there. You know, sure. I, it's, it seems to be catching, but the thing is like, this is one of those cases, and maybe I shouldn't even say this out loud because it's going to come back to bite me, but it's one of those cases where I didn't ask for permission. I just kind of figured I'm going to do it, and it's a lot easier after the fact to say, oh, yeah, sorry, I, I guess I shouldn't have done that, and then not do it again, then to ask for permission, then go through like the weeks and weeks and weeks of red tape to get it all approved and figured out. Right. So um, I actually had a conversation with my assistant principals um, yesterday afternoon, like bef- right before it happened, and um, I just said, yeah, I'm going to do this, and they said, oh, okay. <laughs> there was no conversation <laughs> about it. There was no, like, what ifs, and, uh, you know, knock on wood, everything went really well, and, and now I think we're going to move forward and, and do this again. You know, and my big thing this year, uh, again, not getting into specifics, but, you know, every district is in a, a spot right now all over the country where they're they're struggling. You know, no one has any money and, and schools really seem to be taking a lot of hits because of that. And, mm-hmm. and it's especially the case in New York state right now, um, just with the way our state budget is. But, you know, any little bit of, of good PR, it, it's crazy for schools and teachers not to embrace that because ultimately good PR means more support from the community, which means more money and more jobs saved. So that's kind of the way I equated it as, as I'm willing to try this and see if it works. And, you know, it could be something really good for the school. Yeah, I think that's something that in education we should be doing very widespread because uh, what what concerns me is that we might come to a day where people are going to raise the question: uh, we're put we're funneling all this money into schools for technology, and I'm not seeing it. And right. Of you know, we, we work in educa- in education and we do, we see all of the, you know, the, the expanding technology and the availability of technology in education. But, you know, uh, the general public may not see that, you know, they, they drop their kid off in the morning and they pick them up in the, in the evening and, uh, you know, they may or may not be seeing the impact of that technology. So, uh, yeah, John, absolutely. I mean, things that, that you're doing uh, like that are great. And I think we need to be doing them everywhere. Uh, so the public does see that, you know, we are putting this, uh, this money to use, you know, uh, Mark likes to always say that he feels like he's a steward of the, uh, the public's money, you know, the, the taxpayer money comes in and, um, and he tries to be as good a steward as possible. And, uh, I absolutely agree with that. Right. Sure. Absolutely. 
So, well, speaking of using taxpayer money, let, let's use that as a, a segue into today's conversation. Now that we've just spent like 25 minutes chatting. Um, <laughs> so this is actually kind of, I'm going to put him on the spot and say, this is kind of Brian's show. It was his idea to do this. Um, because we don't have a guest this week. It's really just the three of us kind of giving a, a round table discussion. Um, and the topic is one to one computing. Um, that atmosphere or that environment, I should say, is really becoming a, a pretty hot trend in schools, especially those that do have the funds to support that kind of thing. And, but there's a lot of questions around this, uh, in terms of safety and even the devices you choose and logistics and planning and curriculum and all that stuff. And we won't be able to get to all that in the next 25, 30 minutes, but this should be a kind of a taste for people who are in um, a situation where one to com- one commuting is a, is an option. And Brian, I believe you are actually in that situation, right? You're thinking about going that way? Um, actually, we have. Um, we started the our one-to-one program last year, or excuse me, at the beginning of this year. And um, in fact, the last time the three of us were on together, um, was one of those times, I believe back in episode five, where we were discussing that concept. Um, so, you know, when we were talking about show topics, John, and, and going throughout the, the course of our week, um, this came to mind because this is something I'm dealing with because right now I'm, I'm in the planning phases for next year and just a, an opportunity. Um, I've read a couple articles, um, that we'll link to in the show notes and stuff. But um, one of them was a, you know, like a, you know, what would you, um, you know, what types of things you wish you knew before you started your one-to-one program and, and, and things like that. And I read it. And even after doing the, the thing for over six months, I was like, oh, that would have been a great idea. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, can I do that now? Can I go back real fast? And so, you know, my perspective was, um, you know, a lot of these one-to-one programs are new and our school happens to be, I would say on the leading edge of these because we've already started and we're doing it and it, you know, it's working. But at the same time, you know, we've taken some missteps along the way. So if you're a teacher and you're in a school and you've heard one-to-one or you'd like one-to-one, you know, how do you start that effort? How do you help further the effort? Um, versus just complain about not having enough devices. <laughs> now, your one-to-one environment, though, you're, you have iPads, isn't that right? That is correct. Okay, and just to kind of give some background, uh, I have, a, I guess, a fledgling one-to-one uh, computing environment in my school. Currently, all the sixth-grade students, and there's about 300 of them in our building, which is incidentally about the entire population of Bryan School, but um, <laughs> right, isn't that, that's about right. Uh, yep. They, uh, the entire sixth grade currently has netbooks, uh, Dell netbooks, and the idea is that they're going to be rolling them up for the next three years. So next year, the incoming sixth grade will have them, and then the new seventh grade will also have them as well, and we'll be rolling them out that way. Now, Sean, I, what is, what does your new school have? I don't know. Uh, well, um, I have, uh, we just actually got reassigned, so I had, uh, all elementary schools. Now I have a couple of elementary schools and a middle school. Uh, but we have quite a few Dell netbooks in our elementaries. Uh, are you talking about the ones kind of have the rubberized outside? Yeah. Great devices for, for that level, I think, and especially the elementary, uh, as well. Um, 
great battery life, which is usually a drawback of full size laptops. Uh, battery life that'll get you through the day. Um, I, I love the rubberized grip. It's a little bit more resilient. Um, uh, the devices even for, you know, smaller hands. You know, bigger high school kids or even adults uh, are going to complain about the small keyboard, but they just seem perfect for uh, for the smaller kids. Yeah, and we have. Uh, they're also working on, and again, it's fledgling. This is the first year they've tried implementing it. But in conjunction with the the one to one project, they also have started a a cloud platform as well. So the idea is that those devices are actually just swappable. You know, if a kid drops it and it breaks, there's no data saved on that device of theirs everything is in the cloud so again it it's fledgling and i say that in an optimistic sense you know there's certainly things that aren't working very well right now but it's the first year so if that's the kind of stuff that we can talk about today right yeah and th- and that's going to happen i mean with with anything and with any device um you know i can tell you uh the same thing with the apple products and we just ran uh we <laughs> Launched on one of my uh, one of my campuses a uh, PBL project based learning uh, initiative, and uh, it's mostly Apple products uh, running on that, and uh, it's the same thing. I mean, you've got you know, like uh, Brian said, little ahas that you're like, oh gosh, we didn't think about that, you know. And it's after these devices you know get put into the classroom, and there's uh, the teachers, you know, day one, and here's all these devices and start them up, and then some problem you know something happens that you didn't think of and there you know i always feel for the teacher because i know what that's like to be standing you know there ready to go for the day and all of a sudden your plans just get yanked right out from underneath your feet right (laughs) you know you're like what am i going to do now (laughs) absolutely so so brian start us off if someone's thinking about starting a project like this it sounds like you uh, have a pretty good handle on it what are like the critical parts that need to be uh, in place before you can start a one-to-one project Sure. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'll start by kind of capping all of the little bullet lists that I put in here because I think, um, it's good. You know, if you're, you know, the two of you listening, if one of you wants to take notes on this or something like that, um, or, you know, just go and read the article on your own. Um, (laughs) I think it's a good synopsis to start. Essentially, um, the components that I've listed are leadership and leadership being on board, cost, Network fun- functionality, meaning can it, your network actually handle all these additional devices? Security, and that is from two perspectives. One is how much, and the other one is how little. Um, inventory management, internet filtering, insurance, policies, and consent. A philosophical approach, such as why are we even doing this or, uh, you know, embarking here? And then pedagogy, which is a, you know, we can't change generations of learned behavior overnight. Um, so starting at the top, you know, our, our program actually started with, um, me going to our head of school who was new at our school and saying, you know, what is your vision of technology and education and, and kind of starting a conversation there. And, you know, I felt really special and, proud of myself for coming up with such a great question to ask him. And he responded with, I know what I don't know. And I'm like, um, I'm not sure what to do with this. <laughs> that's, a, that's a smart man actually to say that. <laughs> and, and his, his response is basically that, you know, I'm not an area, you know, that's not my area of expertise. 
So I want you to write a white paper about how you see technology in education. And then from that, I can decide whether or not I feel it's valid or argue points and all that kind of stuff. So I actually, you know, wrote this huge long white paper that took forever. And, um, looking back on it now, it, some parts of it have come true and other parts have come true in a different way than originally designed. But essentially we said, as long as we're moving forward in the direction that we want to, it's okay if we have a few sidesteps or missteps along the way, as long as our, you know, students and the education of those students is the purpose behind it all. So we, let me ask we you, started with the leadership. Well, let me ask you a quick question. Um, of those, like, just give me, of that list you gave of all kind of like the critical components, uh-huh. what's, what's the number one that has to be in place? Just at the top of your head, what do you say is like the most important? I mean, they're all different like components, obviously, and they're all, they all serve different purposes, but what's like the number one? If you can't get that, you're done. I know mine. <laughs> all right, Sean, go ahead. <laughs> oh, I stumped him. I got him. <laughs> and, this, and this comes, and I'll probably, uh, uh, prompt Brian a little bit with my answer because mine comes a little bit more from the tech side. And of course, that's, that's where, uh, my strengths are, but, and where I spend most of my time, but, uh, cost. And, uh, and the reason I say that is I've seen too many failed initiatives because districts really didn't think things through all the way before they got started. They, they get it going. They get, you know, they get the ball rolling and then they realize they really can't afford to support this long term. And, uh, and it ends up dying out, uh, pretty quickly. And sometimes it doesn't even get really fully off the ground because all the financial considerations weren't taken into account. And so then, uh, you've got these devices, but you can't fully support them. They don't quite work the way that you pictured them working because you didn't really, uh, make the investment in the infrastructure that you needed to. Uh, so it just kills it right away. And I hate seeing that because it kills it for a very long time in that district because everybody says, well, we tried that and it didn't work. It didn't work. Yeah. Yep. So I, th- that's mine. I, I can agree with that. Um, cause obviously if you can't sustain the plan, it really doesn't matter how good the plan is because, you know, it's going to die off, um, you know, at its roots. However, when I look down through those things, I, I have two reactions. One of them is when you say, you know, what one do you have to have to make it work? My first reaction is by make it work, do you mean, do you want to just go through the motions or do you want it to be effective? And if you want it to be effective, every single one of those components has to be present to make it work. Yeah, I, um, I agree with that because that's that's one of those lists that you look down and when John asks a question like that, that's why know, there was silence. Right? Yeah, you really yeah. can't you, you can't because what your mind really jumps to is well, what do I cut out here? And, yeah. and you're right, Brian, you can't cut any of that out. You know, we've had we've had some issues with our network, you know, being too slow or needing to up our internet bandwidth and everything because we just added an extra hundred devices that we previously didn't have on campus. And not only did we add those, but they're wireless devices. So they're moving around the campus. You know, you can't necessarily pinpoint them to a couple access points or or things like that. So I can argue that that's as important as the philosophical approach 
you know, and, and perhaps one could argue that being a private school that our parental involvement is greater, but I don't know that, you know, especially in this day and age when we're looking at public schools and our funding and things like that, I think the public is more aware of where their money is going and typically is now becoming more um, involved in the, I want to see the fruits of my investment. Um, so I would say the philosophical approach is, is, is just as important as network functionality because it, and this is perhaps where we've gone, you know, slightly astray in our, our district. You know, we talked a lot about, you know, electronic textbooks. And we said, this is a really good way to, to start and use, begin using electronic textbooks. But as we started evaluating electronic textbooks, we had textbooks that were in plain PDF form, but they weren't good curriculum. And so, do we really want to invest in bad curriculum just to say we have it available on the iPad? And we voted, no, let's wait for good curriculum that is electronic, not electronic curriculum that will get by. Sure. Um, but now, you know, then we get parents who are saying, you said that textbooks was going to be a big part of this, and you're only using, you know, one or two right now. And it's tough to argue with them, but I think that that's our issue of how we chose to sell the project versus, you know, you know what our expectations were versus what it's what realities turned out to be. Now, for next year, it should change significantly, but we've also had a big influx with the iBooks announcements that we talked about um, in a previous episode from Apple. There's suddenly more textbooks available, and they're not more expensive than buying paper books. So we have options. Well, and when I asked that question of you, I was thinking of my answer as well. And again, I'm coming from a, a different vantage point for this whole thing. So I don't think about money. I don't think about network structure. I don't think of filtering because we have those magic wizards in the building, much like you two, who do all that for me. By the time any initiative comes to me, all of that stuff has already been figured out. And, <laughs> you, you hope so. You hope, <laughs> you hope so. And if, and if not, I blame people like you that are in my district not doing something right. So something sure. like, you know, like Sean, you bring up money and that's certainly a big issue. But for where I stand, if there was some initiative or some project that didn't have enough money and never got off the ground and chances are I never heard of it in the first place because I never made it down the pipe that far. So when I do see something, um, from the teacher's point of view, I'm paying really close attention to um, how the other stakeholders, so in this case, it'd be the students, the teachers, or the administration, how they're feeling about it. And that really determines for for me whether or not I'm going to see it as something that's worthwhile. Um, and Brian, that's the number one that I have on that list is, is the leadership component. If I have a school where there's a, a principal who says we're going to do this, I don't know what those things are. Just do what you got to do with them. That immediately sure. drops the effectiveness of it. And that doesn't, that has nothing to do with what device or how it's supposed to be used or what it comes with, if you don't have the people who are higher up um, willing to invest time in it, then there's a negative trickle down that, that sure. comes with that. Well, what I would I teased about in terms of pedagogy before, and I think this is where it really becomes a relevant um, topic beyond the, the network geeks that, you know, Sean and I are the, 
to me, you know, I was going to specifically say that I've noticed a change when we started implementing Apple devices, which, you know, wasn't originally my plan in the, in the school. But as time has gone on, we've noticed that those devices have provided the opportunity and the tool set for our teachers to do things differently with technology. You know, technology more as a tool rather than a rote learning game like a jump start or these types of things. And, you know, think about the podcast and how many times we've had guests on who discussed um, cooperative learning things and all kinds of tools that are free versus when you started in education, when we talked about games where you sat a student down in front of a computer and you essentially could walk away for an hour and come back and then they were done doing computer class. Mm-hmm. It, it just isn't what it used to be. And I think that's the biggest difference in terms of a teacher's perspective is suddenly having these devices in their hands gives you the opportunity to do things differently. Uh, now, I, I, I want to, if I can jump in, I want to uh, ask actually both your opinions on this because uh, it's it's something I struggle with and I see kind of done differently uh, almost from teacher to teacher. It really uh, depends on uh, a lot of how, how tech savvy the teacher is, uh, but um, and maybe even philosophically how the teacher thinks, but uh, there's, there's a couple of ways of looking at technology in the classroom. And like you said, Brian, uh, one is just as a tool. So you, you have your learning objectives and you're just using the technology as a different way to present that information and those ideas and, yep. uh, and, and engage the students. And then there's, uh, and I always, uh, you hear this, uh, at the highest administrative levels, you know, usually at your state and, uh, even the, uh, the White House where they will talk about how we want to be creating, uh, you know, technologically, we, we want to be promoting onto, uh, post-secondary education. These students that are, you know, can basically compete in the world, bring the U S you know, back to the, the top of the heap or whatever. And sure. when I think of that, I don't think about using technology as a tool, but actually learning the technology. So, uh, what concerns me is I don't think I see enough of a shift toward that, that we're not teaching enough actual computing skills, even either programming. Um, uh, you know, you do see a little bit of like uh, 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 di- digital image kind of stuff, things like that. But it, it's mm-hmm. almost like a secondary kind of afterthought. Um, what are you guys thoughts on that? You know, I, I'm going to place blame solely on the, the state at the state level for that, because right now, if you talk to any teacher about curriculum and you dare you go into my school tomorrow and say to my math teacher, my science teacher, hey, can you teach, you know, computer programming for a few months? They're going to throw their books at you because they are so um, busy with the curriculum that has been set by the state. They don't have time for any of that stuff. So I think that right. there is a little bit of a, a, a a paradox there because you do at the high levels of, of state and federal government, you hear them saying things about being competitive and being able to have these, these high end skills, but they don't give us the freedom to explore those. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to teach to some test that the, the state has put out and uh, they could care less whether mm-hmm. kids know how to program or not. Yeah. I mean, the only, honestly, I, I'm an English teacher and 
English is really the only subject area that has a little bit of a, at least in New York State, I'm, I'm assuming it's similar in other states, but we're the only one that has a a kind of free form curriculum, I guess, because we are primarily skills based. At the end of the day, my kids have to learn how to read and they have to learn how to write. And, <laughs> and they don't care what text I use. They don't care what prompts I use or how I approach those skills. They just have to know those skills. Um, whereas sure. with like science right now, every seventh grade science student in New York state is doing, you know, reproduction or cell division or whatever the case is, they're a lot more locked into that. So unfortunately, there really isn't a place right now for them to be introducing, you know, something like uh, advanced programming or something like that. I mean, that's the same argument that I have with digital citizenship. That's come up a few times in previous uh, episodes as well. You know, they say kids need to know how to be responsible and safe online and know how to discriminate between um, good information and good resources and, and stuff that you should stay away from. Well, yeah, that's great. Who's going to teach it? There's when right. like the rea- the reality is, you know, teachers want to do what's best for their kids, but the reality is, if they don't, if they're not required to teach it, and they're totally overwhelmed by all the stuff they're required to do, you know, the first thing is going to get chopped. There, there's no yeah, discussion right. about that. Well, and you you said it better than I did. I mean, that's really where my concern lies because I love seeing the technology be being used as a tool to in all of these other areas. And I think that's a wonderful thing. I love watching it progress. It's kind of neat. It's like we're in this new era and we're getting to watch it all happen. Uh, but that's the part that I, I really see missing. And, you know, it's coming along, but very slowly. And like you said, John, it's the first thing that gets chopped when, uh, you know, when the chips are down and, you know, the test is two months away. Yeah, and then you <laughs> add in, and again, now at the local level, you add in budget woes. And like I said earlier, the first thing that gets cut is stuff that's not mandated. So if you are lucky enough to have a high school where there is that computer teacher or that programming class, well, it's gone now. It's, it's not going to survive the first round of budget cuts. So there well, you go. And that's, that's something that I think, uh, you know, I think Brian was initially saying with regards to this is, uh, these are the types of things that you actually, you have to talk about because, uh, it, this is another big point of failure when, when districts, uh, you know, step off on these kinds of initiatives is there, you know, it's all great. It's the flavor of the week or the month or even the year. And then, uh, you know, things change and all of a sudden it's not as big a priority as it was before. And then there again, you've got your one to one initiative that's, uh, now failing or being cut altogether. I think. In, in my experience, when we look at a teacher workload, what we're oftentimes or the way that we've always implemented, you know, in the past technology is we, we walk in there and we hand them this thing and we say, we also would like you to yada, yada, yada. And so technology has come with this, if you will, additional heaping on top of an already huge and full plate. And when we think that the teachers, you know, need to do a little bit more, rather than looking for something to do differently or how we can change something, we just try to slip them a bigger plate under their existing plate, you know, and pour out everything onto the big plate. And my approach is we need to take the plate and flip it upside down and dump everything off of it. And now when we've got a nice clean plate, let's come up with a different way to do the same thing. Let's figure out a different way to stack it, so on and so forth. Now, I have three kids, and they are nine, six, and two. 
every single one of them, independent of either my wife or I, are perfectly capable of operating a small handheld device. In our particular case, they happen to be iOS devices, but they've actually used a friend of ours, you know, Android device, and can handle that just fine too. So what it tells me is in the same way that you didn't really need to put us down into an automobile class to tell us what a car was and what a truck was and things like that, it's just part of their upbringing. These devices are just part of them. And so if you think about the the computer classes that we probably had, you know, where we actually labeled a monitor and a CPU and, you know, all these things. <laughs> and the modem. <laughs> exactly. I mean, to think that we should be teaching our kids that way is is just absolutely ridiculous from from my perspective. But yet we still want to have, you know, air quotes, computer class. Rather than just saying, Mr. Mikulski, we're going to put a device in every one of your children's hands, and we want you to use these to read, and we want to use these to write, and in the process, let's try to do it differently than we've been doing it so that you can actually implement it in their world, but also make your job a little bit easier. You know? Sure. So... We, in fact, that that brings me a tool. I don't remember. I want to say it's um, Right Source or something like that. Um, our, our language arts teachers have been using a a tool. It is online. It's web based, and it helps them with feedback and everything when they're writing essays. And so our essay writing process is actually done in there, and the teachers can comment and change things and modify things, but they also can get feedback from the software program in terms of their writing. So instead of using a pencil, they're typing it and they have access, you know, 24-7, they can do it at home and not, and it actually speeds up the writing process so they can get quicker feedback, they can get more feedback, they can have more projects involved in less time because it makes it a little bit easier on the teacher. That would be a tool implemented in class. I mean, if we could come up with a better pencil, I don't know that we'd have a lot of people throwing a fit that we're now on a number three pencil instead of a number two. <laughs> you know, I got to just take a, a time out here and say, this show is already going to run long. This episode is going to run long. Um, we've now hit on, you know, we started off totally sidetracked from the beginning talking about Mac versus PC. And then we started to touch the, the one-to-one and immediately we now di- digressed into you know, systemic problems with the federal and state government. And then, <laughs> so this, this one show, we could probably expand into like three more, more shows in the same topic. This is essentially just now us just griping about everything we hate. Have you noticed that? That's what this has turned into. <laughs> I'm trying to be positive. Come on. Uh, well, you know, but, and this is, I thought of this because Brian, you know, what you, you started saying is that, you know, the world that your kids are living in doesn't really equate to the way that kids are being taught now. So now we get even bigger. This is no longer even a conversation about technology. This is now a, a conversation about the education system in general. And you're absolutely right. I mean, we're still in like that agrarian education, you know, model where summers are off because a hundred years ago, kids had to go work on the farm. So we are in a, uh, we are teaching the kids in a way that doesn't fit with the way life works anymore, and that's the ultimate problem. 
But but here I'm going to be the eternal pessimist or optimist in this, and I'm going to say, but why? Okay, we've got teachers who are listening, like we said, both of them who are listening to the podcast. <laughs> well, and there's going, only there's only one because Sean's here today. <laughs> <laughs> the um maybe Mark will listen. <laughs> so. You know, and you think about it, and, and a lot of times, you know, teachers, we joke about, you know, we're the master of our domain. You know, inside these four walls, we're king. But what the state is telling us and in, 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 in that kind of stuff is going to be there. It's always going to be there. It is what it is. But if we wipe off our plate and say, how can we accomplish what the state wants us to do, but do it differently? We can't just keep adding things to our plate. We have to change how we do those things. If we can do that, then it is possible for us to change the model within our four walls of our classroom. And what I think is, you know, if you get a teacher who we can supply, you know, back to the one-to-one thing, if we can supply them with the tools, which is tough, and I understand that, but if we can supply the teacher with the tools, now it's on the teacher's shoulders to then take advantage of access to the tools. But so I kind I think it's look, a big responsibility for those teachers. But look at at the same time again I'll be the pessimist here as well because I can speak, you know, for me like you put anything in front of me I'm going to use it and it's going to be great because I'm really comfortable with that stuff. But think about not even the the teacher who's terrified of of technology. Think of the middle of the road teacher who with enough practice is willing to implement it and it'll it'll be pretty mm-hmm. good. You take a teacher like that and you say, everyone's getting a computer. You don't really know how to use it yourself, but I want you to kind of figure it out. Take some risks because that's essentially what you're saying, Brian, is try it out and be willing to take some chances. However, in the same sentence, you're going to say, oh, by the way, though, um, the state has also now implemented a new teacher evaluation system and they can boot you out of your job regardless of tenure if you do poorly on it. Oh, yeah. And also, we're going to pay you less if your kids have poor scores. Oh, but take a chance and go ahead and try something. (laughs) I mean, you know how that's going to end. So. That's why this this conversation has very quickly turned very political, I guess, in a sense, because it's not about what tools or or how you get it implemented into the school. It's such a bigger issue than that. And I think maybe that's the the one overlying uh, point that we should make for anyone listening is that there's a lot more to this than just do you go with iPads or netbooks or what kind of filtering do you put on it. There's a pretty sure. big you know framework to this. Well, what what we've encountered in our school is. Um, you know, we have te- our parents and, and families and, and teachers who are fully behind it and love the idea and encourage the risk and that it is because it's different, it's new, it's it's changing. And then we have other parents and families who are upset because the model of the classroom that they are used to mm-hmm. is not being implemented and it worked for them and so they're uncomfortable. Oh yeah, legacy and, plays a big, big part in this. Absolutely. And so, you know, my response to the teacher who's, you know, afraid of their job and things like that, um, we still don't make the Model T anymore. And it worked really well. It was a great, fantastic vehicle. But at some point along the line, somebody had to take a risk in order to try things a little bit different, you know, and it could have failed. It could have absolutely failed. But they took the risk, and they tried the new thing, and it ultimately was better. You know, we can, you know, in that respect, we can either live scared 
or we can, you know, step out and, and, and take a chance. I, I'm not saying, you know, when you look at scores that scores haven't gone down as we learn to, to use these things, but I think it's, I think the, the chances of things, um, you know, of actually bombing and losing your job because you tried to, um, to incorporate technology and use it effectively in the classroom is pretty low. Now, that being said, we network people. It's easy for us to say that, right? <laughs> no, I was going to say network people, administration, so on and so forth. We need to be supporting those teachers with proper training. Um, one of the things I, I, I was going to say heart, but I try to remind our administration about is if we're asking our teachers to deliver instruction in a certain way, then why do our, um, our faculty meetings not model that same instruction that we're looking for? Why does our delivery of, um, you know, the, yeah, you still teacher. have a staff meeting with a flip a flipboard. Absolutely, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, model what it is that you're looking for the to happen in the in the in the classroom. You know, if teachers, if you're wanting to have people um, can consider a one to one program and everything, show them how with what little technology you can do, how impactful that can be. Because now they can go imagine what would do would happen if I gave you a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't always work out, you know, but in a perfect world, you know, take a shot and then, you know, administrators and, and network people, um, it's a risk for them too. And we need to support those teachers so that they can be successful because, you know, like we said, you know, we're not preparing our kids for, you know, the world we live in, but it is the comfortable way to prepare them. All right. All right, so I'm going to start to cut us off here, um, Ed, to, to finish, because we, yeah, could, we, we could, could go all night on this ever. one. I know. So <laughs> how about to, to wrap this up, and I'll go first so I'm not putting either of you on the spot. How about we wrap up one final comment on, on one-to-one or maybe one final piece of advice? Is that good? Sounds okay, good. so um, we haven't talked about this too much. Uh, we kind of skirted around like how to start this formally, but this is my, my final piece of advice. And this is something that I'm learning from experience myself. Now, um, if there's a school that's looking to do some kind of one-to-one initiative, hands down, most important thing, as far as the teacher use of it goes, teachers need to get those resources well in advance of the kids. You cannot plan to have Day one, kids come in, get their new devices, oh, and you give one to the teacher. Or even worse, not give one to the teacher at all. Uh, the the best uh, success story of one-to-one computing comes from Maine. Right now, the entire state of Maine has a one-to-one computing. I think it's middle and high school. Um, every kid yeah. in Maine has one. And uh, I read an, a research article a while back about it, and I think they're seven or eight years in at this point, and they talked to the, the commissioner of education there, and, and he said, hands down, the best thing they did they gave all these devices to the teachers a full year in advance and said, next year, you have to know what to do with these things. You have a full year to, to try it. And by building in that safety net, that's what made them be able to hit the ground running and, and make them useful right away and have maximum impact right away. So I guess that would be the one final comment I want to leave uh, on this topic is you got to give the teachers time to figure out what to do with it. I agree. We actually put ours... Um 
we gave all of our teachers MacBooks a year ahead of the um, the you know laptop carts and and things like that, and um, weren't able to give them iPads a full year ahead. But we gave them at the end of the school year, so they had all summer long to play. And then we did continual um, uh, professional development through the summer, so that they could come in and get a little bit. You know, first, how do you use this? How do you turn it on? And then slowly into the lesson planning, um, you know, so they had it a few months before the, the kids, which was, which was really helpful. Um, my, my thing is going to be in terms of curriculum. And as a, as a former classroom teacher, I really, it really bothers me when your IT staff, you know, is, you know, appointed the, job of purchasing everything because they're never can, you know, because it has to do with electronics or technology or something like that. And I think IT staff can do a really good job of purchasing projectors and, and computers and things like that. But come on, you really don't want us picking your textbooks now, do you? So teachers, if you're wanting to do, you know, electronic textbooks and you're wanting to do this, help find good curriculum. And do the Make footwork. it good. Yeah, do the curriculum check first and then, you know, go to the IT staff and say, well, well, this, this is good curriculum. You know, how can we deliver this curriculum in a technology way or, or you know, at least you know, what are our options, you know? Sure, sure. And so many times in different schools, I've encountered a situation where they come to me or, you know, are, are looking for consulting and they're, you know, they go to the IT guy and say, you know, where's all the curriculum? And I'm like, that's where you're starting is with, with the tech. And it just, I mean, yes, I can pick out a decent science book on physics and things like that. And probably even a math book and, and whatnot. But really, do you want me picking out your curriculum or do you want good curriculum people, um, doing that? And there's nobody better than the people who are teaching it in the classroom. And, a, a beat side to that, you can teach programming in math class. It's all algebra. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> all right, uh, I'll jump in here, and uh, mine is uh, especially when we're talking about one to one. If you're if you've got a one to one, you're staring down the one to one barrel, and you're a teacher, uh, you're going to have all these devices. And I'm going to tell you one thing about technology that you can count on. <laughs> I know is what you're going to say. It will fail. Yep. <laughs> all right. So, uh, and I, I know it sucks and I, I, I see it all the time and I see teachers in that, in that, uh, awkward position and I've even been there myself. Um, and that is basically a failure to plan for that one truth is that the technology will fail at some point. Uh, just the other day I was showing a teacher, uh, we tech guys do what's called a, a trace route. And uh, you can run this in a command line, and it basically tells you all the points, or what we call hops, that when you want to go to Google.com, it will tell you like every little access point and every server, every device that your your request passes through to get to Google.com. And so I was showing a teacher that because she was having a problem getting to a specific website or something, and I ran a trace route. And, uh, because I want to see if it's inside our network or the problems outside the network. And it was like 31 hops. 
And that's not crazy. Um, you know, some are, some are more, you know, usually uh, 10 to 15, but it, it can be, uh, uh, more than that. And uh, she was shocked. And I said, now think about when you're dealing with technology, that one request, if anything in that chain breaks down, <laughs> you're going to not get the not website that you want. So, uh, you know, I, I try to add some perspective to it, but, um, I know it sucks that you really have to, you have, because you don't know when it's going to break down, you know, what you're going to be teaching on that day. So you essentially have to have this whole other set of curriculum, but, you know, hopefully you've, you've kept the old stuff. You kept the, the, you know, all of your lesson plans from before you had these netbooks in your classroom or whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, you should have something to fall back on and literally have something to fall back on for every given day. Um, once you do that, you're going to, you're going to be in a lot uh, better position when you do have some sort of problem or the network, there's a network outage or something like that. Uh, it's, it's not going to be such a bad experience. And I see a lot of teachers with kind of a bad taste in their mouth because they run into this, but, um, uh, you know, you just have to prepare for those moments. And when you do, the taste isn't really that bad. Right. Well, all excellent points, gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we fully covered this. There's nothing else that we could possibly say about one-to-one computing. <laughs> so, uh, it's time for us to move on. Um, and why don't we move on going into the tips of the week? I'll start and I will bring back up. I think it was topic number three or four in our dozen topic episode this week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more. I, I purposely um, ignored it during the opening when I talked about live streaming and, and how that works. I want to give a, a tip for people who maybe are interested in how this works. Um, so my tip is a, a great little uh, free piece of, of software called ManyCam. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I think Sean uses it for the live stream here. Isn't that right? Or Mark, does um, he use that? Mark, I'm not sure if he's still using it or not. When we were doing video on a regular basis, he was using ManyCam. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, pretty pretty cool. Uh, I haven't seen it in a while. I haven't looked at ManyCam in about six months. So <laughs> I'm kind of curious what There's, it's looking like now. Uh, you know, every time I've played with it a lot off and on the last couple months and every few weeks you get the the notice saying that there's a new version so there's tons of features and there's features well beyond what i used it for but basically what ManyCam does um when you have a webcam plugged into your your device or your your laptop or whatever you're using ManyCam kind of serves as a utility that it uses and then you can do things like add um add text over it add you know uh a clock, you can add backgrounds, you can add all kinds of cool little things. So it kind of adds as an added utility to um, your webcam. Now, what I used it for, it also has the option to be able to toggle between multiple webcams or multiple video sources. So you can actually play um, pre-recorded videos that you have saved as um, AVI files or whatever the case on your machine. But what I used it for when I was doing my live broadcast of our chorus concert, I actually had two webcams um, plugged into the computer and what ManyCam basically allowed me to do, it was toggle between those two. So I could set up different shots and zoom in on different people as they had solos and that kind of thing. And then that, just by clicking on one of those two devices, ManyCam would allow me to then display that particular device's, you know, capture that it was getting. Um, and then I pushed all that out. The, the site that I used was Livestream and I, I use Livestream.com simply because uh, not necessarily the most popular one, but it's the only one that wasn't blocked by my school. And like I said, <laughs> <laughs> and and like I said earlier, <laughs> right, exactly. And like I said, this was um 
nothing I really um, asked permission to do. I just did it. So I knew that if I had tried to use the more popular like Ustream or Justin.tv, those are the, the two that come to mind, I knew that it would have been two weeks before I got permission to do so. So I just used Livestream, and it worked really well. I believe all three of those choices are ad-supported, which is kind of a downside. And I think Livestream, it's something crazy, like 300 bucks a month if, if you want to get rid of ads, and I don't care that much. I can sit through a 20-second ad at the beginning of a of a stream, but um, that's basically what I did. I had two webcams and uh, an external microphone, and all of it went through ManyCam, and I could add effects. And every time a new choir came up or a chorus group came up, I put which group it was or what grade level it was through ManyCam. I could put that display at the bottom, like a little ticker, and um, it all pushed out as one device signal into the live stream online software, and that's what viewers saw. Yeah, it's like a uh, simplified version of like your own TV studio. Yeah, and, and honestly, like I really didn't know if you could do that, have multiple, you know, webcams set up, and it looks like it it can accept many of them. So I'm just going to keep collecting webcams and just set them up all over the room. You know, you can. You I really think. Can uh, do I think we ran maybe up to four, maybe five. I can't. I can't recall what the most we ever did. Um, I will say once you get up. Uh, probably uh, more than two, like, uh, or maybe over three. Um, you have to have kind of a beefy machine to be able to handle it. So you're you're saying my compact Perserio isn't going to cut it for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll you'll start experiencing <laughs> some problems there. <laughs> <laughs> well, and then you know, I was thinking about this, and I haven't even dared say this out loud yet to um, my administrators at the school because then they're going to hold me to it. And I'm going to have to do it, but. Even something like morning announcements, you know, a lot of schools will either do it over the, over like the, the PA or a lot of schools now will have like their TV studio, like the TVs in the classroom. But something like ManyCam and a, a live stream kind of uh, online broadcasting site, you can have morning announcements with the kids acting as anchors and you can have yeah. two different webcams on each of your anchor and then you can even have kids pre-record little news segments or take highlights from that night's soccer game or whatever the case. And ManyCam can use that as a source and plug it in. So you can actually have your um, your two student anchors, you know, send you into a story about the food fight the previous night or whatever and then have footage <laughs> from that food fight, you know. So right. there's so much you can do with, with that software and it's free. So take a look. I think it's just ManyCam.com and um, like Sean and I both said, there's constantly updates to it, so there's all kinds of new things it's doing. It even has almost like a, a green screen utility built into it. Yes. And it's not very good, but you don't need a, a green screen at all. Like it really just, it basically takes a snapshot of um, the surroundings and it knows that there's something in front of it that wasn't there when it took the snapshot. So it, yeah. I have a feeling like that kind of technology that's built into it, it will probably be getting better with future versions. Yeah, sure. that that works a little bit better. The the more uh, consistent your background is, right. so you know if you if you could be up against a flat white wall uh, without any shadows on it, things like that, it handles it better. Uh, right. We played around with that, um, but uh, yeah, not the greatest green screen. But you know, again, if you're uh, in the educational environment, uh, nobody really cares that it's uh, professional <laughs> quality. Anyways, it's just kind of a cool factor at that point. Right. See, absolutely. But- but me being the eternal optimist, that's doing things differently using technology as a tool. Right. And oh, by the way, that is teaching kids those high level video things. You know, obviously my school is K through eight, so, um, you wouldn't necessarily send an eighth grader out to college to compete, you know. So in high school, you may train them more detailed on, you know, higher end programs. 
But what a great learning experience to get started because that little dabble then will really, you know, give them a leg up, you know, four or five years down the road. Oh, totally. Um, um, well, mine, uh, my, I actually had a, uh, a tip of the week that was very techy and nerdy, but I, I like, <laughs> I'd like to change mine. My tech tip of the week is going to be apple.com. And I'm doing this in honor of Sean. Um, at apple.com, they have some really fabulous products. Um, and, you know, you could get, you could choose to get a laptop like Sean and really enjoy that. Um, or you could just get an iPad or, you know, something if you want to look a little ex- less expensive, you could get an iPod touch. Um, Sean, what would you recommend from apple.com? <laughs> I have to say, I am, uh, rather impressed with my, uh, MacBook Pro. I, I do enjoy it. <laughs> and that's, uh, I just and that's had, Apple had, with that's Apple with two P's A P P L E. That's right, and uh, we'll bill them later for their uh, their advertising on the right. show. <laughs> um, yeah, I just had to you know bring it full circle, if you will, before we uh, throw in some contact information. So um, go ahead, how do about, that for us, Sean. I was gonna uh, say, how about I do that, or right. we can have Sean do it, just you know out of out of memories, but we'll oh, spare him. <laughs> Oh, the the old contact stuff. Oh, oh yes, the, the thing that we always argue over: who gets to do it. Oh, all right. You want me to? You want me to jump in with that, John? Go ahead. Go ahead, Sean. You do it. All right. Uh, yeah. Gosh, it's been a while since I did this. It used to roll right off the tongue. We'll see if it still does or not. Uh, well, uh, the Taiwan teacher is, uh, as always, uh, brought to you by ElementOP.com, and uh, you can uh, find. This podcast and uh, many other great ones at the website there. It's also the best way to interact with not only the hosts of this show, but the hosts of uh, the entire network. Uh, forums there are great. Pop in there. Uh, if you post in the forum, uh, generally somebody's going to get right back with you real quick. Uh, so uh, if you want to jump straight to the show page, you can go to elementop.com slash tightwad teacher. Uh, you can find all of uh, the fine hosts of the Taiwan teacher and, uh, rarely, uh, occasional jump in sort of used to be hosts. Uh, <laughs> uh, so we've got, uh, John at John Mikulski. Uh, you can find him on Twitter. Uh, Brian, is that right? At Bruger? Yep. B-R-U-G-G-E-R. Yeah. Uh, when you have a last name like that, you always get your usernames. Right. Yeah, I probably could be the same way. Uh, but no, I decided to go with something totally uh, off the wall, at Sean TX. So uh, that's kind of become my online handle. So uh, you can usually find, if you look for Sean TX as a username on just about anything out there, it's probably me. Uh, so that's how you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, Facebook, if you go to facebook.com slash element OP, uh, that is the uh, network page. And... Uh, uh, you know, go check us out, like us. Uh, we don't post a whole lot there, but you will get updates on like show releases and things like that. So, uh, you can certainly, uh, uh, like us over there. Uh, you can call in 559-IM-OP and, uh, leave a message, good or bad. Uh, when you do leave a message, just let us know which show it's for. That is one unified number for the entire network. So, uh, not so much for this show, but occasionally we'll get a, a message on one of our other tech related shows and we're like, well, was that for the tightwad tech or was that for everyday Linux? So, uh, if you do call and leave a message, just let us know, uh, specifically what show that message is for. Uh, 
Uh, I don't know. Did I miss anything else, guys? That kind of felt somewhat natural. Yeah, you got everything. You, you haven't missed. It's like riding a bike, Sean. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so. All right. Well, uh, uh, John, why don't you uh, lead us out? This was a lot of fun. I got to say, it was great to be back with you guys. You know, I think this is just proves why we really need a formal guest every time to keep us in line because this just turned into like ramblings, which was it was a lot of fun. But um, dear that's God, how reunions hope, are. I think. I, I hope. Yeah, I know. I know. I hope. Right. Uh, You're always standing listening. there with Uncle Joe at the end, going, "Man, is he ever going to shut up?" Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just hoping that our listeners are going to be able to follow some of our conversation because it wasn't uh, exactly organized. But yeah, I think we got a lot of good stuff in, and uh, maybe we should just plan like every uh, every couple months we'll have just a. Get everything off your chest show. <laughs> right. <laughs> like I know on, on Tightwad Tech, you guys have like a hodgepodge show every once in a while. That's yeah. kind of what this turned into. We just need to have like a get it off your chest and just uh, a public airing. That's what this is. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. And I'm sure, you know, this is the type of show that any teachers out there listening to it are probably going, yeah, yeah, finally yeah. somebody said it. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yes, we're available to come speak to your administration and um, and other political entities in your school. Oh, or there we district. go. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, especially like at their uh, school board meetings. If if you're going to have a school board meeting in the Bahamas, we'd be glad. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we'll we'll end it with that plea for a uh, free vacation. Uh, so for now, this is John, and uh, I'm going to say good night, everybody. Good night. And this is Brian. Have a great evening. And Sean uh, signing off. <laughs>